Welcome to week number two uh, in our series called Necessary Sins. Uh, we're, we're looking at some of these sins, not these, uh, these, these ones that we can all agree upon, that like even in our culture and society is just very clear like that's wrong or not. But also there's a lot of other things that God says are not okay that in our culture, in, in our society, it's like, well, that's not that big of a deal. So, so in this series, this four-part series that we're in, uh, these would be kind of acceptable sins or even respectable sins. We're, we're not talking about rape or murder or stealing or anything like that. Last week, we talked about lying. Uh, and, and I think many of us were surprised uh, to find out not only how much the Bible has to talk about lying, but my goodness, Dr. Greg does a pretty killer Michael Jackson imitation. And uh, if you weren't here, you're just going to have to check that out online. Anyway, the feedback just keeps coming on and on and on. Please do more. Please do more. I'm not going to. I'm sorry. But tonight, during our, our message today, I want to talk about heard, <clears throat> heard it through the grapevine. See, sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. It's just, it's totally erratic. Heard it through the grapevine. We're going to talk about gossip. And again, I think we're going to discover, like, I had no idea that that was such a big thing to God. Because, listen, let's admit it, there, there are television shows that are nothing but gossip. Brad and Angelina. <gasps> and it's just gossip. And God has an awful lot to say about it. And just because our culture and our society says it's okay doesn't necessarily mean that God sees it as okay. And, and before we jump into the, the topic uh, in, in terms of heard it through the grapevine, and there's a whole lot that we do here through the grapevine in terms of gossip and all, I, I want to remind us all uh, of the, these two verses that we're using as really a prayer for this whole series. Let's go ahead and put it up, uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. And, and what I'd like to do is just invite you all, uh, if you feel comfortable, just to pray this with me as a prayer for this series. Because this is what we're asking that God would do by his Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives uh, over, over the, these next few weeks in this series. So uh, let's just read it together uh, with a prayerful attitude. Are you ready? Right here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search my heart. Point out anything inside of me that offends me. And, and almost every one of these topics that we're looking at in this series are things that you can, you can just like go about your business and no one even knows is there, except God knows. And, and what God wants really from us is the best. He wants us to live the life that he created us to live. And, and these things like lying last week, as we looked at it, in terms of our message, Pants on Fire, and, and this week, heard it through the grapevine about gossip, it steals the life from us that God intended for us to live. We, we choose instead to live below the great things that he's planned for us. And so I love this. In Psalm 139 is King David, who God himself said, he wasn't a perfect man, but God himself said, he's a man after my own heart. And he writes this incredible prayer. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. 
and know my anxious thoughts. He says, know my heart, know my mind, my thoughts, my desires and my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And, and, and I'm not going to lie to you because uh, we talked about that last week. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a tough one. This message is going to be a, a, a real tough one. Because, again, this is something, like, even in our culture, lying is like, you know, that's, that's really not right. Gossip, no one says anything about it. And it destroys relationships. It destroys marriage. Listen, I would put it this way. This is probably, even in churches, this, is, this destroys more churches than probably anything else. Gossip. It's like the two socially acceptable sins in churches. You know what it is? Gossip and obesity. We, we don't even know. And, and it's amazing how much that was talked about in Scripture. Gossip and obesity. And, and yet in church, it's like, it's okay. And it just ruins, it wrecks havoc in relationships. Gossip does. Families and friendship. Gossip is really, really difficult. And, and for the most part, we think, oh, it, it's no big deal. It's no big deal at all. What is gossip? This is the best definition that I, I found in, in studying this. What is gossip? Pastor Rick Warren uh, put it this way, pastor of Saddleback Church who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, I love how he defined it. Rick Warren defined gossip as this. When we're talking about a situation with someone who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. When we're talking about a situation and the person that I'm talking to is not part of the problem and is not part of the solution, guess what's happening? Gossip. Did you hear the latest? Do you know what I heard about him? Do you know what's really going on with her? Not part of the problem, not part of the solution. It's gossip. In fact, it's not a little thing to God at all. In fact, there's a place in Scripture we're going to look at in a minute that says there's six things that God hates. He absolutely hates. And then they say, plus one, there's even seven. And this whole idea of what gossip really is, is on God's top seven, I hate more than anything else list. And I guess here's the question. Is it on your list? Is it on your list of the things that you hate more than anything else? That you're just, I'm not going to have anything to do with that? Let's look at it. In, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole list, but you can check it out yourself in Proverbs chapter 6. But in verse 19, it's going through the list, and it says, A false witness who pours out lies, kind of sounds like last week, doesn't it? Lying lips, lying tongue. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And that's what a gossip does. A gossip stirs up stuff in a community and breaks relationships. Friendships and relationships apart. I, I remember when uh, 
when, when Susie and I were in college, uh, uh, <clears throat> we weren't married at, at the time we met each other in college, uh, but we went to a, a relatively small Bible college in, in Pensacola, Florida, where we met just a just few hundred was a student body. And, uh, and, and I remember one time, particularly in my senior year, that uh, uh, I was the president of the student body. And there was a lot of gossip that was going around about a particular student and, and some things that were going on in that student's family. And, and you know, I'd like to think maybe in the last, uh, you know, 27 years, uh, 26 years that I've grown a little bit. But, but I remember asking the president, I said, could I address this with the student body? the president of our Bible college, he's like, absolutely. So one day in chapel, you know, the place was full, of a few hundred people there, and, and, uh, and I talk, started talking about gossip, and, and I said, listen, I just want to make you this promise. As your president of the student body, if I hear you gossiping, I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm not going to warn you. I'm going to punch you in the face. And you know what? Everyone stopped. No one did it anymore. After, after I told them this is what the Bible says, like, because they're like, man, that's harsh. Yeah, but why do we tolerate stuff that God says, I hate it? I hate this. It, it, it just destroys, and it was destroying that student and their family. Total destroying them. And I'm glad nobody, you know, called my bluff because I wouldn't have hit them or anything, but they didn't know that at the time. And it was completely erroneous what was being said. Not an ounce of truth in it. And so this really, this is very disturbing to God. And gossip should be very disturbing to you. And very disturbing to me as well. Think about it this way. How many of you as parents love when people gossip about your kids at school? None of us do, do we? How do you think God feels when you and I gossip about his kids? Because that's who we are. He feels the exact same way. That there's something that just rises up and it's like, stop it. That's wrong in the heart of any good parent. Same way with our Heavenly Father as well. There, there's something, and I don't know how else to put it, that there, there's something sickingly attractive about gossip, isn't it? Like we're drawn to it. When, when we hear people kind of like, we're like, what, what are you talking about? First of all, we think they're talking about me. But then when they find out you're not, it's like, what, who are you talking about? What did you say? I just caught the tailwind of that. What else? It, it's like a moth to a flame. We, we're just drawn to it. Look, look, Romans chapter 1 is pretty interesting. In, in, in Romans chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Apostle Paul to Christians at Rome. And he's literally talking about the, the depravity and the downward pull, the downward cycle of sin in the Roman culture specifically, or any culture. And he begins to talk about like this, this downward spiral. And this is the Holy Spirit that's inspiring his words. And listen to what he says, and listen to where gossip shows up. In Romans chapter 1, verse 29, it says, in, in terms of those that are evil and wicked, it says they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, and now he's going to describe every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, depravity. 
They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. That right there we find gossip appearing with envy and murder and strife. Gossip. That that's how lethal it is in relationships. That's how lethal it is in a culture. That they, they, they deceive, that malice, their gossips. And it goes on and it says, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Gossipers do. Invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Parents, this is a good one to point your kids to. Uh, they, they have no understanding of fidelity. No love, no mercy. All those things are inclusive of people that do any and all of those things. No love, no mercy, creating evil, gossip. You kind of get the point. God hates it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is the downward depravity, the depths of wickedness, and gossip appears on the list. Kind of get the idea that uh, this is something we need to be aware of in our own lives in order to please God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, we're talking about what is gossip. It says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. There's something just juicy about gossip, isn't it? It just goes down to the deepest, deepest parts. There's something about when we know something about someone else, we feel like we have power over them. And it, it, it encourages, and, and, and it just uh, strokes the most evil part of our sinful nature. Gossip. Gossip. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. It's not like the fat. It's like the best of the best. It's like delicious. It's juicy. They go down in the innermost parts. So here's the question, why, gossip, why is gossip so juicy? Why is it so juicy? If you have your Valley Christian Church app, go ahead and, and take that out, and you'll be able to fill in the blanks as we, as we look at this uh, and really ask God to help show us what's in our hearts, what's really in our minds. Why is gossip so juicy? Well, thinking about this a little bit and, and doing some reading up on it, I, I think it kind of... There's a couple things, I, I, reasons why I think that gossip is so juicy to us, so tantalizing, choice morsel, as it said right there uh, in Proverbs chapter 18 and 8. Because it makes us feel important when we know something about someone else that other people don't know. It kind of like there's something about it in a real twisted way that makes us feel important. We enjoy hearing dirt about other people because it makes us feel better about our dirt. That's why we enjoy hearing dirt about other people. That, that, that's why when we, when, we, when we hear about some celebrity couple whose marriage is on the rocks, we're like, well, see, they couldn't work it out either. I feel better. 
We enjoy hearing dirt about other people. We enjoy other people looking bad. Because maybe folks won't look at us. Again, gossip in itself, it appeals to the worst thing in us. The worst parts of us. The parts that don't look a thing like Jesus Christ. Why is gossip so juicy? Because too many of us are dissatisfied with our own lives. And we're insecure. Because we, we really don't believe who it is that God says we are. That, that, that we really don't believe we're as valuable as God says that we are. Each and every one of us. And so it makes us feel better when something bad happens to somebody else. Because nobody gossips about good stuff. Hey, did you hear? Jim got the, he, he got the big bonus. Aren't you happy for him? Nobody's whispering about that. Did you hear Fred's really upset that Jim got the bonus? He got the position, man. Fred's out of it. He's like out of his mind. That's what we talk about. Why is gossip so juicy? Here's, here's the bottom line. There's not one single reason, not one good reason to gossip. I, I've never heard anyone, you know what? I was gossiping about, about my spouse the other day, and it just enhanced my marriage so much. We're just so much closer because I was talking bad about him. I was just gossiping about the boss, and you know what? Our, it's like bang, zoom, our whole business is just flourishing now. I like business is so much better since I've been gossiping about the boss. It doesn't ever happen. There's no good reason. There, there, there's no real excuse for it. And yet we do it all the time. So let's talk about getting a grip on gossip. How are we going to do it? How are we going to get a grip on gossip? And, and this isn't some kind of psychological thing. We're going to go to God's word. We're going to go to God's word and find out because he gives us the remedy for the sin that ails us, that trips us up so much. So, so as we work our way through, and I want to share with you three different ways that we can get a grip on gossip. Don't be thinking about who you think needs to hear this message. Don't, don't do that. You know, I really, so-and-so really needs to hear this. No, you're gossiping, just doing that. Think about yourself. Apply it to yourself, all right? Getting a grip on gossip, how are we going to do this? First question to ask ourselves. Are my words helpful or hurtful? Are, are, are my words helpful? Or are they actually causing other people pain? Are they helpful? Or are they hurtful? In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 puts it this way. Do not let any, everyone say any. That means None. <laughs> That means never. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. None. But only what is helpful for building others up. None. And, and, and for the sake of the 21st century, can I just put it this way? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your keyboard. <laughs> or from your phone. Don't let any unwholesome talk, don't, don't post any unwholesome talk. 
only thing that we're supposed to communicate as followers of Jesus Christ, what is helpful for building each other up, for encouraging each other, for edifying. It's like building a building. You build it up. Don't tear down the building. Build it up. That's what our words can do when they're encouraging. But no, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Proverbs chapter 16 kind of contrasts this idea of helpful building up others as we're asking ourselves the question, are my words helpful or hurtful? Proverbs 16, 27 puts it this way. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. Scoundrels. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. There it is. If you wanted to have a chapter and verse, why gossip destroys relationships. Right there. Proverbs 16, 28. Destroy, separates the best of friends. The very best of friends. Just little necessary sin of gossip. Destroys friendship. Scoundrels... <laughs> Their words are destructive blaze. So I asked the question of myself, and I encourage you to ask the question of yourself. Are, are your words helpful or are they hurtful? So many times we, we, we kind of disguise gossip, don't we? And, and uh, it happens a lot in churches, <laughs> in, in things called prayer meetings which oftentimes become gossip sessions. And it's like, okay, anyone have any prayer requests? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I just think we need to pray for uh, Brother Bucketmouth, uh, <laughs> who's married to Sister Sounding Brass. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but the other day I was coming out of Walmart and Brother Bucketmouth, he's sitting in his car with this blonde, and that was not Sister Sounding Brass at all. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to tell you what I saw, but I just think we need to lift Brother Bucket Mouth up in prayer. That's gossip. That's gossip. And it's amazing how creative in churches we get on how to just gossip about people. And it's wrong, and so everyone's like, Wow, Brother Bucketmouth, next thing you know, on social media, Brother Bucketmouth seen with blonde in the car outside of Walmart. Listen, I've seen this destroy a marriage before. Completely destroy a marriage. And we think it's no big deal. It's a big deal. And so are our words helpful or are our words hurtful? You know, sometimes they say, it's okay to, it, it, as long as it's true, it's okay, right? No. We're supposed to always speak the truth, but we don't have to say everything that's true. There's some stuff that just doesn't need to be said. It doesn't mean that we uncover someone. It doesn't mean we publicly humiliate someone. It may be true, but it's not right to be sharing that. Because remember... If you're talking to someone and they're not part of the problem or they're not part of the solution, you're causing more of a problem. It's gossip. So are our words helpful or are they hurtful? 
Everything that is said should be true, but not everything true must be said. Here's the second question to ask ourselves. Am I making private matters public? Am I making private matters public? Listen, think about this for just a minute. How long do you think I would last as a pastor? My, being a pastor, your whole entire reputation is built on confidentiality. People are always coming, and they're sharing. You know, when I have an appointment at 4 o'clock, and then I get home, oh, Facebook's going to love this bit of juiciness. How long do you think I would even last? But why is it different for pastors than just a Christian? Am I making private matters public? In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus put, uh, I'm sorry, I, I jumped way down. Let's go back to Proverbs 11. <laughs> Proverbs 11, I forgot I'd turn the page. Proverbs 11, verses 12 and 13, it says, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Are you trustworthy? Are you making things public that should be private? Can you keep a confidence? It's so very important. And this is God's practical wisdom. I love Proverbs. Spend a lot of time in it, and I encourage you to as well. It's pretty cool, by the way. Uh, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 Proverbs. Pretty much one proverb for every day of the month. So just go through as the date changes on the calendar and read through and study through that proverb. You'll be amazed at how you'll wise up in a good way. Not wise guy, but you'll get wisdom. To just going right through it. Today is... Uh, you know, just look at the date today and just say, okay, that's the proverb I'm going to read and spend time in. It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep the confidence. And, and, and let's be honest. You know, I've, I've done a couple of joking, kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, illustrations, but in, in the day in which we live, social media is tough. Because it used to be 10 years, 20 years ago, no one in their right mind would hear something, pick up the phone, and call 300 friends. Now all you got to do is post it once. And hundreds and hundreds of people find out before you can delete it. And we've got to be aware of it. And be on guard of it. Send one tweet, 10,000 people find out, just like that. We need to protect ourselves, and we need to protect other people as well. And so, second question, am I making private matters public? Am I making private matters public? In Proverbs 25, verse 9 and 10, again, wisdom from Proverbs. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never regain your reputation. Never happen. <laughs> Ruined. Just by gossip. 
No one will ever trust you again. Years and years to build a solid reputation. One tiny indiscretion sharing someone's secret. Done. Done. Others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your reputation. Here's the third question. And this might be, if you haven't yet gotten your toes stepped on, go ahead and stick them out because here I come. Because I think when it comes right down to it on this topic, this is where most of us fall short. Ready? Am I inviting gossip? Maybe I'm not saying it, but, but am I listening to it? Do I like basically have a sign on my chest that says, dump your toxic junk here? Why is it that everyone feels comfortable gossiping to you? Why is it that people feel comfortable saying those things to you? Yeah, I, I, I shared that story of when we were in Bible college at the beginning of the message. You know what? It's kind of fun. Like, none of those folks would ever, they, they just wouldn't gossip around me anymore. Because they're like, okay, Greg, he's going to pop me if I do. Like, he's not open to it. What would happen, and I want to give you a couple of creative ways to do it. What would happen if we just basically said, I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. I'm not listening to that because I'm not part of the problem and I'm not part of the solution. And it would just end. Am I inviting gossip? Am I inviting it? Proverbs 17 verse 4 puts it this way. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. So biblically, we're implicated in gossip simply by listening to it or watching it or reading it. We're just as guilty as the person who's saying it. Wrongdoers eagerly. We're wrongdoers when we listen to gossip. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. It's not just wrong to speak gossip. It's also wrong to listen to it. Let me put it this way. What you permit, you promote. What you allow, you accept. If we don't say, that's wrong, stop it. We're just as guilty of saying it ourselves. What you permit, you promote. If you listen to it, you're participating in it. Not only will I not do it, I think we need to resolve, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to be around it. Because I don't want to be implicated. I'm a wrongdoer. Just by listening to it, I'm in the wrong. And so, not only am I not going to do it, I'm not going to listen to it. So I want to give you like four different approaches on how to just end gossip. Now, depending on your personality type, you may like one better than the others. Uh, I'm going to give you the subtle approach, and, and then I want to give you like the caring, loving, nurturing approach, 
And then I'm going to give you the biblical approach. And then for some of us, none of that's going to really feel real good. And then I'm going to give you the direct New York approach, okay? Uh, and so uh, how many of you think you made like the subtle approach, just kind of like, <laughs> subtle approach, caring, loving, okay, there you go. The biblical approach, a theologian, how about that direct New York approach? Give me that one. All right, I'll give them to you all, all right? I'll give them to you all. We have a kind of a smattering. First of all, the subtle approach. People are gossiping around you. How do I, how do I end that? Here's how you I'm not feeling very comfortable with this conversation. You're making me feel uncomfortable about what you're talking about. Oh, really? I, I'm sorry. That's just a very subtle way of just, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling comfortable about this. How about the caring, the, the loving one? A loving approach. If, if blank, just fill in the blank, if he knew or she knew that we were talking about them this way, it would really hurt them. If, if he knew we were saying these things about him, this would really hurt him. This would really hurt her. That's the loving and the caring way. The, the biblical way is this. Someone's gossiping. And you simply say, if you have a problem with that person, I'm more than happy to go with you to talk to them about it. That's Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 says, if you've got a problem with someone, you go to them and you tell them what the problem is. But you don't talk about it to someone else. That's the biblical way. So I, I, I've done that before, too. <laughs> I guess you're telling me this because you want me to call him right now and set up a time where we can go talk to him together. No, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> it just kind of ends it right there. Matthew chapter 18, check that out, the biblical approach. And, and then the direct approach. Here's the New York approach. If you keep talking about other people, I ain't hanging out with you no more. If you keep talking about other people, I ain't hanging out with you no more. And you have to kind of do that with your head. You go, I ain't hanging out with you no more. <laughs> That's the New York approach. And, and I'll tell you, I've got a lot of friends. I've got a friend who's a pastor, and I had to tell him this. If you keep talking about other pastors the way you are, I ain't hanging out with you no more. <laughs> and he's like, what? Are you serious? I was like, look at my face. <laughs> he's like, oh, you are serious. Because every time we get together, he's like, Greg, did you hear about this pastor? Did you hear about this one? Did you hear about what's happening in this church, in this church? And I had to say, if you just keep talking about other people, I ain't hanging out with you no more. And it's funny, he, he hadn't called me in a long time. <laughs> not only will I not do it, we have to resolve. I'm not going to listen to it any longer. Because if I listen to it, I'm a wrongdoer. I'm in the wrong just by listening to it. Let, let me put it this way, and this is like, when I was thinking about this, I was like, this is so obvious that I think none of us actually see this anymore. We never think about it. If a person gossips to you, they will also gossip about you. Whoever it is that's gossiping to you 
what do you think they're saying behind your back? A person who will gossip to you is a gossip. It's what they do. They're a gossiper. They're talking behind your back as well. A person that will gossip to you will also gossip about you. There are times when we do have to talk to someone else about something that's going on. But remember, are they part of the problem? Are they part of the solution? There's times when you got to go talk to a pastor. you got to go talk to a therapist. They're part of the solution. There are times when you got to work some stuff out with friends and coworkers and stuff. They're part of the problem, hoping to get part of the solution. But not going behind people's backs with no intention at all for any resolution. They're not part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. It's just gossip. That's all it is. We need to be committed to saying things that are constructive not destructive that we would say the same thing if the person was actually standing right there and I think in reality then we need to say it to them there's so many times that we say things we would never say if that person was standing there hearing listening to what we were actually saying and and when we do share something that's going on with someone else, we need to make sure that only those who are listening are those that care about that person and are there to help that person. I'm talking about like an intervention or something like that. You know, hey, listen, old Philbert over here, he, he's struggling. We got to do something. You only have the people that care about Philbert there. I'm like, we got to step in. We got to do something to help Philbert. And, 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 and that means action. Not just praying about it so it just keeps on spiring. But let's, let's go over to Philbert's house and say, man, we're not going to let you go down. We're, we're standing with you. We're, we're not, you're not in this alone. We're, we're not going to let this happen to you. But those are rare, rare exceptions. Rare times. Here's the bottom line. On this subject, heard it through the grapevine. My words are going to be weighed. Your words, my words, they're going to be measured one day. They have weight to them. Jesus made this abundantly clear. Our words are going to be weighed one day. Maybe it doesn't seem like it right now, but they're going to be weighed one day. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said... I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken or they have typed or they have tweeted or they've written. Every empty word. For by your words you will be acquitted or by your words... You will be condemned. Did you know, uh, we're talking about this today in our staff meeting actually. Do you know Facebook has this, this app now that it's like your word cloud? That, that you click on it and it 
goes through all your profile and it makes a cloud of the words that you use the most. And it's like the most commonly used words that you use in posts, it makes this cloud. But that's just Facebook. God's got a cloud. And it's not just Facebook. It's every word. And Jesus says, one day every one of us is going to stand before God. And we're going to have to explain our cloud. Especially after you heard a sermon like this. <laughs> and he's going to say, remember? Heard it through the grapevine thing there? And you went out and did all you could to cultivate your grapevine for the rest of your life? Explain that. Or by your words you'll be acquitted? Or by your words you will be condemned? See, the Bible makes it clear, my words, your words, have the power of life and death in them. Life and death and the power of our words. Why is God so hung up on our words? Here's the reason why. It was by his word he created everything. Simply by his words. Let there be light. There's light. All of creation. Jesus is described as in John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Maybe God understands something about our words that we don't even realize. How incredibly powerful our words are for good, bringing life, or for death, bringing destruction and devastation. I don't know about you, I want to be caught speaking well of people. I want to be for people, not against them. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I, I, I would rather believe the best than assume the worst. I want in my life to reflect the reality of a God who speaks and brings life. I want to reflect that in my life. I, I, I want that reflected in the Valley family, in, in this church, that we reflect who our Heavenly Father is that brings life in His words, not death and not destruction. We serve a God who gave us good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news that, that when we look at ourselves in a subject like this about gossip or something like that, and we're like, I'm, un I'm undone. This is awful. I see way too much sick stuff in me. God says, I have good news for you. That's why I sent my son. Because, Greg, I knew you, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be perfect. I sent my son to live a perfect life and to die a death that you deserve, that, that every one of us deserved, to pay the price for my personal sin and your personal sin. And he rose again three days later. 
And he's the remedy. He's the remedy for when we look in our mirror and we see how far short we fall. The answer is Jesus. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we read his words and it brings us life. And I think Jesus is just like, yes, read my word. Let it bring you life. But more than that, speak words of life. Reflect who I am. Be a follower of mine. And speak words of life to every person that you come in contact with. Last verse, and I want to end. And I think it speaks to the power of words and why words are so important to God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It tells us, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the power in your mouth. That's the power in your words. That, that with our words, when we believe in our heart, that Jesus is who he said he was, that we, we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. We're forgiven of our sins once and for all. That's the power in our mouth and in our words. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, I think I can speak to all of us. And just We had no idea. We, we had no idea that our words meant so much, not only to you, but to, to those around us. Father, thank you for your word, the scripture, that, that, that speaks to us, that brings us life, that shows us a life that is higher and better than we may currently be living. And Lord, that we can speak our words to you, that we can confess to you our shortcomings, our shortfalls, our sin, and that when we speak those words to you, that you forgive us. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word for anyone and everyone in the hearing of my voice right now, that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that you raised him from the dead, we're forgiven, we're clean. You see us as white as snow. Father, may we go from this place today with a better understanding and may we speak words of life and not get involved with and not listen to and certainly not spread gossip any longer. Lord, may we take, may we take a knife to the grapevine and may we cut it off with the power of your Holy Spirit and strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.